Hey, what's up, Mets fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and I can't wait to get back into talking about the New York Mets. Today, I first want to discuss the firing of GM Jared Porter that occurred this morning and why I think this was another great move by the new ownership that the Mets have. And then in the second half of the show, I want to return to the Mets' current offseason and go over some updates about where the Mets stand right now. Now, before we begin, I just want to let you all know that I am on Twitter, at PodMets. On this Twitter, I post updates and news about the podcast and love to interact and talk Mets and baseball with fans like you. So head on over and be sure to follow, at PodMets on Twitter. Now, the first story I'm going to get into is the firing of GM Jared Porter. So late last night, Jeff Passan of ESPN tweeted a report about Jared Porter, and this report with Mina Kimes and Jeff Passan stated that Porter had sent explicit text messages to a foreign female reporter in 2016 while he was working with the Chicago Cubs. This article also explains that he continued to text her after she had ignored more than 60 messages, all before he finally sent a sexually explicit image of his genitals to her. Porter acknowledged texting the reporter and even went so far as to say that the explicit image was a joke stock image. And the woman even left the industry, not fully because of the situation, but she explained that this situation and this experience with Porter was a tipping point that led her to leave the reporting industry and move on to finance. So after this report came out last night, Alderson said the organization was going to review the facts, and then this morning, he was terminated. Cohen stated, and I quote, In my initial press conference, I spoke about the importance of integrity, and I meant it. There should be no tolerance for this type of behavior. And I completely agree. This situation is disturbing, it's gross, it's really creepy, and bottom line, it's illegal. He was harassing this woman, he was texting her over and over, it's 60 messages, over 60 messages to this woman who clearly was not interested in him. And, you know, I didn't mention before I talked about the explicit image of his genitals, but he also sent her a picture of his pants with like a bulge in it. So he was already starting down this, you know, sexual harassment path. And there's absolutely no place for this in this organization or anywhere for this type of disgusting behavior. It's gross. It's uncalled for. It's inappropriate. There's no lack of words to describe how bad of a situation that Jared Porter was involved in and fostered. And Andy Martino talked about it a little bit, that he was in a position of power and that reporters have to talk to executives for their job. That's their job. And he abused his position that he had. He abused the fact that he was in a position of power and this woman needed to talk to him. So it's absolutely uncalled for and I'm very happy the Mets got him out. As soon as the report came out, I assumed the Mets were going to fire him and they did. And that's what I want to get into. I talked about it in the opening, how I'm very happy with how the Mets responded because they responded quick and they responded exactly as you would hope. They fired him. No questions asked. They, the story came out late last night and this morning, fairly early, nine o'clock, they fired him. It was a span of about nine hours. And I have seen some tweets complaining that the firing came nine hours too late or it took too much time. But with the late release of the story at about 11 o'clock last night and then 9 o'clock this morning he was fired, or at least the Mets release that he was fired, it was honestly a very quick turnaround time for them to fire him. And we don't even know, maybe the Mets fired him last night and just waited to report it until today. 
I think that the Mets jumping on this situation and firing him as quick as possible really shows the culture change that the Mets have had with Cohen at the helm. You know, last season, the Mets, this is obviously not comparable because this is a much more serious situation. But the Mets had a situation where they hired someone who was then found to have been involved in a scandal with Carlos Beltran being hired. And then it was reported about a few weeks later that he was tied up in the cheating scandal and had been a major player in that. And that was drawn out for over a week or so. And the Mets were then the center of attention. And while they did ultimately make the right move and they fired Beltran, it put the Mets in a bad place for a couple of weeks. And I think that today, what we see with Steve Cohen is that they acknowledge Jared Porter was wrong and they got him out as quick as possible. They don't even want to have to deal with him. They're taking care of this issue that the Mets have, this ethical, legal, gross issue that they have at their hands. And they're saying, we don't want to be a part of it. You're out of here. And that's it. They're not drawing it out saying, oh, we're going to look at some facts. I know Alderson said that last night that they're going to look at all the facts, but clearly it didn't take a long time. They weren't going to take their time with this. They recognized that this was an issue they didn't even want to have to be a part of the organization, to be a part of the culture that the Mets have right now, and they got him out there as quick as possible. So the question now is, where do the Mets go from here? Because now they're out of GM. One likely option that I've seen bounced around on the internet could be Zach Scott, who is currently the Mets assistant GM. He joined the Red Sox organization in 2004 and remained there for 17 years, and he eventually became an assistant GM there in 2018. And he was a finalist for the Mets GM position before they hired Porter, so he would be an easy and perfect fit to promote him from the assistant GM role to the GM role because he already was a finalist for the GM role before he became the assistant GM. Clearly, the Mets like what they see in him. He's got experience with the Red Sox working under Theo Epstein, which I had talked about a couple weeks ago was a plus for Jared Porter as well. So I think that Zach Scott seems like he might be an easy promotion for the Mets. I don't know if maybe they're going to look at some other options outside of the organization, but it wouldn't surprise me if Zach Scott, who's the assistant GM, is promoted to the general manager position. So overall, I'm really disappointed that this happened. It's an awful situation. But I'm very happy the Mets took care of it by firing him as quick as they could and got him out of the organization. So before I get into talking about some off-season updates for the Mets, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm going to be right back. All right, and welcome back. So on the more positive side of things, I want to talk about some off-season updates for the Mets, starting with George Springer. I feel like I'm always talking about him almost every episode, but he could really be a huge piece for this Mets team, really changing the look of their lineup as well as their outfield defense. So he really is a big player, a big name player, obviously, but could really be a big player and a big piece to the Mets team. So I first want to reference an article by Vazdramalitis on AmazingAvenue.com called The Mets Should Still Sign George Springer. He wrote an awesome article about how with the Mets' new ownership, fans need to move on from their old Wilpons way of thinking of save as much money as possible. And while it's easy to spend someone else's money, and while Cohen has said that he will be smart with spending, the Mets now have an excess of resources to build the team. So fans, and hopefully the front office, are not thinking in this confined box of, 
oh, we need to save as much money as possible because even if you spend a little bit over the luxury tax, Cohen can deal with that. And, you know, reading this article was just really a good sort of reality check, I guess, to kind of look at the Met situation and be like, huh, I guess they really don't have to be that worried about where their finances go because they do have so much money at their disposal now, which they haven't before. Signing Springer as well as extensions for Conforto and Lindor are not as exclusive as they might seem, which is what Drymalitis gets into in his article about how while fans might think that, oh, if you sign Springer, you can't sign Conforto and Lindor for the future, that's not necessarily true. The luxury tax line is a soft cap. You can go over that and deal with the penalties that go over, especially if you have the amount of money that Cohen has. So it was just a really great article, and I, I really suggest reading it because it really helped me to sort of see that maybe this maybe this situation that the Mets are in right now where they're looking to maybe make one last signing or one or two final signings before they're finished with their offseason moves might not be as controlled by the luxury tax as us Mets fans are used to thinking with, with the Wilpons. So all of that being said, there are a few updates on Springer that are interesting to take note of. The first being that yesterday, the Mets, as well as the Blue Jays, had reportedly offered nine-figure numbers to George Springer. The Blue Jays had already been reported to have offered a five-year, over $100 million contract, and that was sort of estimated to be around $115 million, so the Mets contract offering is likely in that range as well. Additionally, it was reported a few days ago that Springer would like to be close to his home state of Connecticut, so New York is really as close as it gets, so that could be a good sign, maybe, if the numbers are sort of in the same range as a tiebreaker. So we will have to wait and see, obviously, but it is rumored that Springer will decide by the end of this week where he is going to play next season, so hopefully we won't have to wait that much longer. And the other offseason update news that I want to go over is that yesterday the Mets were a part of a three-team deal with the Padres and Pirates, highlighted by the Padres acquiring Joe Musgrove from the Pirates, in which they acquired pitcher Joey Lucchese from the Padres in exchange for prospect Andy Rodriguez, who went to the Pirates. So starting with Andy Rodriguez, he is 20 years old and is a catcher-outfielder and was the Mets' number 14 overall prospect. He's a switch hitter who can play multiple positions, obviously, and he's a good contact hitter, and he is a solid defender behind the plate. In his two years in the minors with the Dominican Summer League and the Gulf League, he hit 276, 389, 452 for an OPS of 840, and as I've talked about with other prospects in the past, it's sort of tough to judge a prospect that you're giving up or getting because, you know, they're young, he's obviously 20 years old, he's only played two seasons with minor league teams and leagues so and he's played well so I'm not going to bash him on that but I think that you can't really judge what the Mets are really giving up until he's finally seen some major league action. Now on the other hand the Mets did get a pitcher Joey Lucchese who has had major league action. He is 27 years old and played for the Padres for three years although he only played three games and had two starts last season. Over his career, he has a 4.21 ERA with a 1.280 WHIP and 9.3 strikeouts through nine. From 2018 to 2019, where he got most of his starts, he had a 4.14 ERA, so not much better than the 4.21 ERA, but it is a little bit better. So 
something to consider. He's a mid-range starter who, in his career, has ERAs in the low fours, so he's not, you know, a superstar pitcher that the Mets are getting, but honestly, a solid starter. According to Ken Rosenthal, the Mets consider Lucchese to be a depth starter who could also swing between the rotation and the bullpen. And Anthony DeComo reports that the Mets intend to stretch him into a rotation piece. So, Overall, my take on this trade is that this is a solid trade. I saw that the trade originally was between the Pirates and the Padres, and the Padres received Joe Musgrove, and it's not a blockbuster deal, but it is a pretty significant move for the Padres, again, bolstering their rotation. And then, all of a sudden, the Mets are involved in this trade, and it's a three-team trade, and they get a solid rotation piece out of it. Lucchese, you know, his career shows that he's a low 4 ZRA guy, he's not a superstar pitcher, like I said, but he has the potential to be a solid back-end starter, and, you know, the Mets have a hole right now where Mats is seemingly going to be the pitcher who is going to be there until Syndergaard comes back, and Lucchese could prove to be a potential starter who could fill in that role depending on who probably performs better in spring training. Whoever wins that battle will probably be the fourth or fifth starter in the Mets rotation until Syndergaard comes back. And also, no matter what, whether he becomes the starter over Mats or not, it's always good to have depth, and it's always good to have extra pitchers on hand who have experience as starting pitchers, because as the Mets have seen in the past, it gets a little fishy once you start throwing guys who have only played in the bullpen. Having bullpen games really messes you up for the season down the line, so, you know, having more pitching depth is never an issue, and... Like I was talking about earlier with giving up Rodriguez, while he does seem to be a really solid prospect with the way he plays and his abilities both at the plate and in the field, they don't seem to be giving up too too much to get a MLB-ready pitcher who already has some success in the league. With Rodriguez, again, he's a prospect. You don't really know what you're going to be giving up with him, so getting Lucchese to fill in to be either a fourth or fifth starter or just to be a backup depth move, or even a bullpen move, I think is really solid. Once again, the Mets didn't have to give up a high-level prospect or a high-ranked prospect in their farm system to get a solid player, so I really think this was a good trade. So let me know what you think. Tweet me at my Twitter, at PodMets, about any thoughts, questions, opinions about anything I talked about, whether that be the firing of Jared Porter, George Springer, and his potential future with the Mets, as well as the Mets being involved in the three-team trade to acquire pitcher Joey Lucchese. So let me know. Be sure to tweet me, at PodMets. So that is going to be it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As I said, follow my Twitter at PodMets and be sure to follow the podcast wherever you listen so that you can get episodes as soon as they drop. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And as always, let's go Mets.